It's the same old story. It's been a long day at the job, or maybe it's just starting to feel long, and you feel that urge to stretch your legs and get a little bit of a break. You walk down the street, or maybe you get behind the wheel of your car, and you feel the weight begin to lift. You walk through the doors, and the sound of the place starts to clear the air. You get a table, you order your drink, you listen to the sounds of the bar, and soak in the conversation. Welcome to the TNE Speakeasy with your hosts, Caleb and Isaac. Listen in as they discuss a variety of topics, including some MCU talk, as well as overviews on the Predator and Candyman franchises. So, for news, we have a, uh, a brand new person who is uh, who's, who's now with us. Non-binary individual by the name of Elliot Page. There you go. I couldn't remember what it was. Yeah. I couldn't remember if it was Elijah. I was going to say Elliot, oh, but I was like, oh, <laughs> Will Elliot return for playing Kitty Pride one day, perhaps? Highly doubt it. That was my first question. <laughs> I highly doubt they'd ever think to cast him. I mean, I think they're going for a completely different vibe. I mean, that's <laughs> fair. Who knows? Maybe, because I, I, I think they were saying that they might bring back Tobey Maguire with their whole uh, multiverse thing. So, I mean, maybe they'd want to reach back. Uh, I'm sorry, multiverse? What? You don't know anything about that? Do you know the title of the next Doctor Strange movie? Uh, I don't want to. <laughs> you don't want to know the title? I guess fair enough. It's almost like there's an embargo that I placed on myself. Yeah, but every time a new movie comes out, you always ask me about it, so... I guess so, but I'm not asking you this time because I'm not cu- that curious. I'll tell you it's directed by Sam Raimi. I know that. Well, I, we, we talked about that before. And I think that's one of the reasons he wants to bring uh, Tobey Maguire in there. He's. It's basically... Doctor Strange 2, Spider-Man 3, redo. He's wanting well, to redo no. Spider-Man. No, he, he literally is just so he can redo Spider-Man 3. Because he's <laughs> now somewhat away from Sony, so he doesn't have to worry about their hard-on for Venom. Well, I guess if you want to put it that way. I mean, maybe Marvel will do Venom. This is why again. I hate Venom. I don't know why. Just because Sony is, for some stupid reason, obsessed with him. Well, the world used to be obsessed with him. I don't get it. Like, I literally don't get it. I mean, I, as a kid who loved the Spider-Man animated series, and I read a bunch of Venom stuff, (laughs) I read the Venom, what was it called when he was the superhero? Lethal Protector. There you go, Lethal Protector. Yeah, I think I still even have some issues of that. I used to love Venom as a kid. That'd be be more cool. I have no problem with Lethal Protector. Uh, Why can't we do that? I think that's what they're going for. I think that's what they're going for with the Tom Hardy one. But he's not Flash Thompson, though. Yeah. I, yeah, it's Eddie Brock, right? Yeah, yeah it's, it's Eddie Brock. It should now. be... Uh, Eddie Brock should be Antivenom, and then Flash Thompson should had. They don't care about those details. See why I gave them up? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think those details really matter if they essentially do the same thing and just change the name. Uh... The DC and Marvel movies have been doing that for ages. Oh, they have been. There's a lot of... In, in the Flash 2014 movie or movie flash 2014 series there's a lot of stuff that's borrowed from wally west's run rather than and just put on barry allen 
And that's kind of oh, yeah, dumb. Like that's that. really dumb. And that's the same thing. My biggest gripe well, with um, Spider-Man Homecoming is when they basically took Gank. Pretty sure that's how you say his name. If not, yep. I apologize. But Gank, and then gave him Ned Leeds, like just renamed him Ned Leeds, and then just gave him the same backstory as Gank from Miles Morales' run. So that that really pees me off. Yeah. Is there any particular reason it bothers you, or because it's specifically for Miles Morales and Peter has Harry Osborn, Gwen Stacy, and uh, Mary Jane Watson. Yeah, but they'd already done all that on screen twice. So twice they so, did. So like every Superman movie, we're gonna have to get the same cast of characters. Yeah, but not only did they do it twice, they did it twice in twenty years. But that's because Sony are incompetent. No, not even twenty, ten, ten years. You're that's forgetting that Sony's but... incompetent. Yeah, but Marvel's a different. I guess it's still Sony making those. How does how is how is it okay for Batman to get away with this and not Spider Man? Yeah, what do you mean? Like you're always gonna have Alfred, uh, yep. in each iteration of of uh, in each iteration of Batman. Maybe not this upcoming one. I don't. I don't know. Pro- probably. Oh, guaranteed. So what's the problem with showing Harry Osborn, MJ, and and Gwen Stacy? With the movies, I mean, I feel like they're looking at a bunch of different stuff. There's all these years of Spider-Man. There's always going to be Batman and Alfred, but there's not always Spider-Man and Harry and Spider-Man and MJ. Still, I, I think it was very rude of them to take uh, part of Miles's identity and then stick it on Peter. I think that was very rude of them to do so. Because uh, now it just means when Gank eventually comes around, everyone's just going to be like, oh, it's like Ned Leeds from, from Homecoming, the guy in the chair. That is fair, but I will say that Gank kind of fades away. He does. He's only really a central character for like maybe the first 15, 20 issues. But with, with the movies, you have an opportunity to expand his character, which is yeah. nice. You know, I mean, it, part of the problem is that the Ned Leeds thing, I guess you didn't see the sequel. I didn't see the sequel. But they don't really do much with, of anything with him in the sequel. He's mm. just kind of there for jokes. So that makes it worse. But, I don't know. The MCU is very much its own thing. They change so much that I just view it in a completely different lens in the comics. I don't even really see it as adapting the comics, really. It's just kind of using elements of them. Yeah. So if they want to mix and match, I mean, that's that's their prerogative. Yeah, but there's still so many years of Spider-Man to, you know, sift through and, and to, and to get, get from. Well, I just, mean, in my in my view, this is definitely not going to be the last incarnation of Spider-Man. Well, of course not. But they want to kind of just muck around. I mean, they can do whatever they want to do. I don't really... It's not really that big of a deal to me, but... But that's why I keep watching them and you don't. Because <laughs> I just never really cared that much anyway. Yeah, just rip the band-aid off. Yeah. I mean, uh, again, I didn't even watch them from the first Captain America till Guardians. Because I was just like, it's crap, throw it out the window, whatever. And I just came back and I was like, eh, I don't really care that much. Most of them are pretty entertaining. If they want to kind of fuck around with the details, I mean, whatever. I don't know why Spider-Man's so, like, hard... F- not hard, but why I'm so attached to Spider-Man. Or at least why I want him to be got- gotten right. I don't know why. Was it a love from the Raimi stuff? It or? might be. I just may- it-, it honestly might just be. Yeah, because you didn't really read a ton of Spider-Man, right? Nope. I actually, yeah. 
surprising, never really read any real Spider-Man issues except for the Miles Morales stuff. Oh, okay. Actually, I did read the issue where Miles crosses over to, before the, what was it called again? Cataclysm? Yeah, Cataclysm, Um, yeah. But before the Ultimate Universe got integrated into 616, Uh I read an issue, I think it was in 2011 or 12, whatever issue it was made, where he crosses over and sees 616 Peter. Oh, okay. I wonder if that was included in the omnibus that I've got. It was a separate... I read it at the library. It was a separate graphic novel, I think, so maybe? Yeah, and I've not read nearly as much Spider-Man that I want to read, but I've read, like, a lot of the Stanley stuff, and I read some of the McFarlane and, uh... How do you say that name? Michelinie. Michelinie. There you go. I always forget to say that. <laughs> Such a weird name. Yes, Dan. I'm not a true Spider-Man fan. You're absolutely right. I still want to see the, uh... I ultimately just want to see the James Cameron Spider-Man come to screen. That would have been cool, but I'm surprised that you say that because it would have been so drastically different than anything else Spider-Man. I read the script. I literally read that script after Eric talked about it on um, Read a Book or Read or Die. And it's it's wonderful. It's it's really cool. It sounds awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to see that. Even if someone just today was like, hey, you know, James Cameron, come on and produce this and we'll make your vision. You don't have to direct it. That'd be awesome. Yeah, just be like Alita Battle Angel. <laughs> And I'm hoping Cameron will have a bit of a comeback with the Avatar sequels, because where the fuck has he been? I mean, I guess he's been developing them. Yeah, Yeah. he's been working on them for the past... (laughs) Decade plus. (laughs) Well, maybe they'll be great. Maybe with the added time, he'll put more thought into the story, rather than just the visuals. By the way, to all y'all listeners, once once Avatar 2 is announced, like, for real, like, there's a trailer and all, we're watching Avatar in prep for that. Yeah, well, probably what we'll do is wait for it to wait before it's going to come out. Then we'll do like a little um, spoiler cast for it. Like watch the first one, then go see it and give our initial thoughts. Yeah, pretty much. Because that movie, <laughs> I mean, it's been so long. I mean, well, we got to do a commentary of the first one. Um, yeah, that's what I mean. Well, yeah, cover the first one like in prep, and then do a little spoiler cast once we see the new one. Oh yeah, and get whoever we want we want want on as well if if they want to. <laughs> Yeah, if anybody cares. I mean, who who cares about Avatar anymore? I guess just you and I. <laughs> I don't even care that much. I don't even really like the first film. I loved it in the theater, visually, and I'd I'd happily go see it in the theater again because it's a kind of stunning visual experience, but it's kind of empty on a small screen. On the topic of, you know, Avatar, and I just brought up Alita, how was your second, I don't know, second watching, but your recent viewing of Alita Battle Angel in the theater? I enjoyed it. I definitely enjoyed going back. Notice anything different or? Um, well, I had the itch that they weren't going to make a sequel. And so, and now actually, apparently there's been more talk of the sequel coming back. That's, I found out that's actually why they're re-releasing it. I figured. Beyond the theater, I was kind of like, oh, like if this is all the movie is, like there's no follow-up. It feels a little bit, um, a little bit flat in that regard yeah looking back on it, it is a little flat i th- i still think there's some stuff to munch on yeah and i think the the potential for the the sequel is i think one of the great things about it because you know me i i love like i said rollerball and i i love sports movies for whatever reason yep <laughs> so i'm like we could have this epic sports movie of her kind of rising up to the ranks and kind of taking down the government through that game 
but we might not get that, and that's a disappointing thing to, to think. It's another uh, it's another Mockingjay, not Mockingjay, sorry, whatever, Catching Fire, or just you know, the Hunger Games. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, those movies I definitely feel are very flat, but I love the competitive aspect of them, especially in the sequel. Now, but. we obviously don't want Last Jedi to happen with this sequel. Oh yes. But yep. I do believe that the first movie is a much better movie and story than uh, Force Awakens. Yeah, one of the great things about it on the initial viewing was how fresh it felt. It really felt like, oh, this like there's not a lot else with this kind of vibe. This world's really cool and feels like pretty well developed. It's uh, it's CGI was way better than Force Awakens. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Although Force Awakens does win over the practicality of it. Although there was a lot of practicality in, in this movie. It just didn't look quite as good because they're shooting on... Uh, Robert Rodriguez has always been a huge proponent of digital. Uh, he's going the way of the Lucas. Oh, he was there from the Lucas days. He was an early adopter. But I'm glad that he uh, he got a win with uh, with that movie, though. That's That's nice that he, I guess, got his reputation back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it brought me back. I mean, I loved him as a kid. Sin City blew my mind when I saw it. Some of those early films. Desperado, not so much, but Once Upon a Time in Mexico. I loved that as a kid. And the Spy Kids movies, of course. I mean, I, <laughs> as a young kid, I really enjoyed those. But yeah, the Machete movies, and I think he made another Spy Kids movie. And yeah, the fourth one. Sharp Point, Lava Girl. I was just kind of like, ah, it's kind of... Oh, and Predators too. Even though he didn't direct that, he just produced it. I was kind of like, oh, his reputation's kind of uh, tarnished in the mud. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. I didn't know he was part of Predators. Well, much better movie than the That's Predator. Just like how excited I was for Shane Black to come back with Predators, I was like, holy crap, Rodriguez has this. Like, I thought he was going to direct it at the time. I didn't find out till I was seeing it that he wasn't directing it. I'm still going to say that Rodriguez is, you know. His name is not tarnished like Shane Black's is. Well, Shane Black, he definitely fucked up with Predators, or the Predator, fuck. <laughs> but um, he's done a lot of great work. And also letting a Predator loose. That's definitely um, a very odd choice on his part. I don't, I don't understand that. I shrug. Yeah, I don't blame him as a filmmaker for that. I blame him as a person. So That's fair. It's kind of a different... I can, uh, yeah, sure. Uh, but on that topic, let's, uh, I guess, just talk about the news regarding that creature. Yeah, so for those who don't know... Yeah, I'm a big sucker for The Predator. I'll never stop being a sucker. Because I do love that first film. The first film is where that all comes from. That was, like Star Wars, it was a movie that I watched just a million times as a kid and was one of my seminal films. And so I'll always, anytime a new Predator movie comes out, I'm going to get super hyped. And even though I thought the Predator last time killed my love, this new one's just got me pumped again. You are I, exactly like Eric with the Transformers films. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Except I think, bef- uh, technically speaking, the Predator films aren't bad. Um, it's just the Predator was the worst one so far. The Predator is definitely the worst one so far. Predators was like just kind of a letdown at the time i disliked it more but on rewatching, it's just kind of like it's fine middle of the road middle of the road yeah, very middle of the road i like predator 2 a lot but it's kind of silly schlock um the avp films i got super pumped for those when they were coming out too we don't talk about those 
I can't tell you how pumped I was for AVP Requiem, oh, and then boy. to see that it was so deflating. So did so you deflating. see? Did you see the first one in 2004, and then we're like, "Well, this is crap." But then you hear Requiem's coming out, and it's like, "Oh, they're gonna get it right." Uh, it it must have been around 2004 because my parents owned um, Alien and Aliens on VHS, and they owned Predator. You lucky and I saw son of a gun. Pretty young. Yeah, I was probably like maybe seven or eight. So yeah, when AVP was coming out, I was so pumped for it. I was like, oh my god. It was PG-13, so I was like, holy crap, I can rent it right away. Oh yeah, <laughs> right. So yeah, I saw that right away. And I, I liked it at the time. I mean, I was 10 years old, but I was like, hey, this this is pretty alright, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, this is probably as good as Alien Resurrection. <laughs> yeah, I watched it in 2011 and thought it was okay. I was like, eh, I don't need to see it again. Hmm. Yeah, it doesn't... It gets worse the more you watch it, that movie. That's why by the time Requiem came out, I was like, eh, like that that first one was kind of shitty, but this one's going to be R-rated. They're saying it's going to be like really intense and scary. And so I got really pumped, and nope. Just terrible. Horrible. Anyways, <laughs> for those still interested, I guess, with what he has to say, tell us the premise, sir, of this new Predator movie. Yeah, you know, it's it's still kind of in rumor phase. I don't think they've quite fully um, come out and announced this what it's going to be, but they're saying it's going to be like um, set in I don't know where. I think they said somewhere in the West, like pre the expansion, and it's going to be centered on Native Americans versus the Predator, and it's directed by Dan Trachenberg from Ten Cloverfield Lane, which even though I thought that film was kind of a letdown as well i thought he showed some promise as a director so so i'm excited i'm very excited <laughs> okay that's 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 something uh pre-confederation well sorry on our part yes but pre um civil war that's what i meant to say uh i probably not but i'm not sure like how early we're talking i would love it if they didn't have it in english Ooh. If they just pulled a mel gibson and just did it in some sort of Native American language from whatever region they're setting it in. But I doubt that will happen. <laughs> yeah, rest in peace to Darth Vader. Yeah, that's very sad. Very sad. I mean, he was 85 years old, um, but it's still sad to lose, you know, like a legend like that. <sighs> yeah. When you've had such a huge impact on your life. And um, I will say what I said in my text is tragic or ironic that... Darth Vader dies by a respiratory-related affliction. Yeah, that's that's, that's awful. <laughs> that's almost in poor taste. That's really in poor taste, but... It is a fair observation. I don't know why I thought that the first time. I was like, god dang it. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely sad. You'll have to call that out whenever we do our um, redo of the uh, Star Wars commentary. Kenny Baker, David Prowse, Peter Cushion... Carrie Fisher. Carrie Fisher. Yeah. Wow, I forgot that. Yeah. In memoriam. I wonder who's next. Oh, I don't even want to... <laughs> I don't even want to think. <laughs> but they're definitely all getting up there. We're going to be starting to lose all, a lot of our legends. Uh, I found some of my texts from Monday when we were talking about... Or whenever it was, not Monday. But whenever we were talking about the Predator, the new Predator movie. And my first one is, please be based off a comic, please be based off a comic, please be based off a comic. You know, fingers crossed. Yep. Uh, 
It better not be another Cowboys versus Aliens where the natives get some of the Predator tech uh, to fight evenly. <laughs> yeah, just, I don't want that. And then, oh yeah, I get it. The natives are probably the hunters of the tribe, so it'll literally be hunter versus hunter. I bet Cowboys will be in the movie, but will be the a-hole bully types that are con confronted and killed brutally by the Predator. I'd love it if they weren't. I'd love it if it was just solely based on like a small little tribe. Oh yeah, maybe even not even a, a tribe, but like a group that are out to like hunt a buffalo or something like that. And they just get stuck, isolated by the predator. Oh yeah, it wouldn't make sense for the predator to be going after a whole village. It'd have to be the hunters. Yeah, I gotta wonder why he's down there, especially if there's no. The only reason I see the cowboys being in the movie is, I'm pretty sure this is still a thing where if a predator sees a gun a firearm of some sort they react mm -hmm. so it's a demonstration of he'll attack the cowboys because they have guns whereas with the natives they have a more fighting chance because they have bows and arrows and knives and tomahawks well i think he'd still attack them again you haven't seen predators but there's one point when someone comes to the predator with just a sword yep Predator's like, oh, okay, this is how we're going to do it. I'll pull out my own sword and I'll throw off my other weapons. Well, I guess, I mean, the first I one as well, um, Dutch basically has bow and arrow as well and is hunting that thing without any guns, so... Oh, yeah, that's true, yeah. I mean, they kind of, like, explodey arrows, but <laughs> pretty much the same thing. Yeah, didn't he attach, like, grenades to uh, as arrowheads? Or yeah, I don't know if it's else. grenades or just like makeshift explosives or yeah, something. That's probably it with tannerite and gunpowder. Yeah, I think it was something like that. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a little while since I watched that. Yeah, is there is there a rule where a predator will not attack attack a civilian, like an unarmed com combatant? Yeah, they don't go after unarmed folks. Yeah, I remember my I remember talking with a when when Predator Alien vs Predator was coming out back in the day. I was having a conversation with uh, my friend at church and. He had seen both movies, and if you remember the tagline, it was like, "Whoever whoever wins, we humanity loses," or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he explained to me how that's not true because predators would only wipe out those assertive and/or aggressive humans with you know guns. So like our yeah, military, would want to wipe them out. It would just want to fight for it. It'd pick its target. Yeah, that'd be it. Yeah. And then once it killed it, it'd move on. <laughs> that's pretty much it. <laughs> I finally got my hands on Ghost in the Shell 2.0. Like the Blu-ray itself. <laughs> finally. I just want it for the... I literally just want it for the special features. That's all it is. Fair enough. I remember there being some good ones on that disc. It's been a really long time since I looked at it, but... <laughs> this is a funny story, guys. So, like, he, he lends me his copy of 2.0. So it's the one where Kusanagi is, like, standing on the edge of a skyscraper. And it's all yellow... And I watch it, and immediately I'm just like, this is from 1995? This looks recent, because... I feel like I told you to watch the uh, standard edition one in the extras. You did, but I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> because in 2.0, it automatically just goes to um, yeah. 2.0. It's annoying that you have to go into the extras to find it. Yeah, so I had to watch it twice, funny enough, and I was like, oh, this, yeah. That's the way to do it. That makes more sense. Some movies like that, it's good to just rewatch almost immediately, in like a couple of days. Well, I, I think I watched it immediately. No, I didn't. No, I didn't watch it immediately afterwards. Or did I? I don't remember. But I did, like, as you said, a few days afterwards. I, I at least give 2.0 this. They at least 
include the original version on it. Yeah, no, that's great. Unlike some people. Yeah, Lucas did it once. I think that was like, he was like, well, I'll throw you one last bone and I'll release it one more time for you guys. <sighs> one day. Even if it is illegally. I'll tell you, I've been enjoying, uh, I started doing a George A. Romero retrospective. Ooh, how's that been going? Oh, I've been loving it. That's good. Loving it. You know, I was watching, uh, because Arrow Video released three of his films, and they packed them with, uh, extras. So I'm watching all these archival in interviews with him, and he's such a funny guy. Like, he refuses to take any credit for his movies at all. Anything that comes up, he goes, ah, well, you know, it was the time, and... I just said yes, and other people took care of everything, and I really didn't do anything at all. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you, dude, you're making these great films. That's... It's refuse to take any credit. <laughs> that's how I'd also, if I'd, I'd want to be, um, where it literally is just me giving all the credit to everybody else who helped me, and or not just helped me, but who you know had a bigger part than I did. And I watched, uh, there was this hour-long interview with him and Guillermo del Toro, and Guillermo was just singing his praises and talking about how he was, like, one of his number one influences of, as a filmmaker. Oh, yeah. And every time George would be like, I'm flattered that you say that, but, like, really, I didn't really do anything at all. <laughs> and by the end, uh, he was like, you could tell he was embarrassed by the praise. And he was just like, I thank you for saying all this. And Guillermo was like, well, I thank you for at least accepting one or two of them. One of the things I said. <laughs> and Guillermo is a humble man. Very humble, yeah. He's the most humbled man, so... I don't know, yeah, that's that's real. It's not anything Hollywood-like, I'll say that, where they're always humbled and doesn't always seem that way sometimes. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Guillermo del Toro and Romero were never really Hollywood people, even if they occasionally worked with Hollywood. Oh, of course. Yeah, and I'm pumped that he's finally getting his Pinocchio made. I mean, I've been waiting for that for, like... I think he announced in, like, 2014 that he was going to try to do that. Del Toro. I think it after Shape of Water was a success. He was like, "I'm finally like, I'm this is happening." Yeah, I know he kept having problems with funding, so maybe people were finally like, "Just take any, take our money, do anything you want." I mean, Academy Award-winning director. Wow, did he win director? Or I know his movie won Best Picture, but I don't know if he won Best Director. I guess I could take a look yeah, if you don't mind. Yeah, it, watching that interview almost made me want to do a Del Toro. A retrospective after I'm done with Romero. It's been a while since I've seen a lot of his stuff, especially like um, his early three films I haven't seen in years and years. Yeah, either Criterion put him out as a collection or somebody else did, but it's no longer available on Amazon. Like a collection with all of his films? No, the first three, excuse me. Oh, uh, I don't... I don't think they did because I don't think they have the rights to at least um, Mimic, which is his second film. Well, somebody put three out back in like 2016, and I have it like saved on my wish list, but it's literally unavailable now. Oh, okay. Oh, weird. Yeah. Actually, I could just take a look right now. <laughs> I'm on the internet, so... Oh, yeah, did he win Best Director on, uh, on Shape of Water at all, by the way? Oh, yep, it won Best Production Design, Best Original Score, Best Director, and Best Picture. Yep, it looks like... Yeah, so this was released in October 18, 2016. Oh, yeah, so Kronos, The Devil's Backbone, and Pan's Labyrinth. That's the three they... Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that set. Oh, yeah, that was a cool set. Yeah, it's... Yeah, like his Spanish three, or whatever. Yeah. Mexican three. Trilogia de Guillermo del Toro. 
Criterion Collection. Yeah, I think he said that he would like to get back to do another entirely Spanish film. Oh, that'd be wonderful. That'd be beautiful. Yeah, it's been a long time. And Pan's Labyrinth. I mean, I remember when that was coming out, but that was forever ago now. I think that might have been the first one when I really realized who Guillermo del Toro was. Because I'd seen Hellboy, and I'd seen Mimic <laughs> many, many times. But in Blade 2, of course, I'd seen many times too. But Blade 2, probably more than any of them. I really didn't realize who he was until Pan's Labyrinth. Well, at least if I can't buy them, you know, as a pack, they have each... I'm looking at it right now. They have each film, like each of the three films they talked about, uh, in Criterion form anyways, which is nice. Yeah, that is nice. Yeah, I don't think... Oh, wait, I own one of his films on Criterion, but it's a DVD, The Devil's Backbone. Mm. Yeah, I gotta get the other ones on Blu-ray. My copy of Kronos is just horrible. It just looks terrible. I don't know what's next for Criterion. After Godzilla, they gotta start... They gotta, obviously, like, do something as good as that one. Yeah. I mean, they put out great sets all the time, but they just... They do really limited stock, usually. Obviously makes sense. Oh, I recently watched um, Silence, the uh, 2016 Martin Scorsese film that everyone was uh, raving about Adam Driver's performance in. Do you remember that? I don't, actually. I think it obviously got overshadowed by his other role. It came out like six months, seven months later, and everyone was like, holy crap, he's so much better in this than he was in The Force Awakens. The Force Awakens is trash because he was so great in Silence. But he really has like a really limited role in it. Okay. I mean, he has like maybe, maybe half an hour screen time in the three-hour-long movie. But he he was good in it for what he was. But it just <laughs> he was very much not the spotlight. Ah. Topic of us seeing Heart of Darkness and then not Heart of Darkness, whatever it was Apocalypse Now. That's, that's what it's called. Oh, that's a funny yeah. <laughs> Apocalypse Now, like you know, a few months prior to watching Ad Astra and then being like, this is strangely similar. Yeah, that was really funny timing. That's perfect timing, honestly. Yep. I saw something. Oh, it was Silence. Silence was also, it felt a lot like it was uh, taken from Apocalypse Now. Okay. It's another thing where they're like traveling through a strange land to find uh, find a certain someone who's kind of lost their way. Yeah, you might, maybe you'd like that more than me. It's a super religious film. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, like, um, I guess Scorsese's like a secret, like, very staunch Catholic or something because... It was all about, like, faith and belief and reaffirming faith. And I guess by the end, maybe it got a little bit more questionable about that, but... I mean, remember, he's an, he's an Italian, so... Italians yeah, are strongly associated with the Roman Catholic uh, religion and or sect of Christianity. He did direct Last Temptation of Christ, so which I've never seen, but... Where Willem Dafoe plays Jesus, which <laughs> I imagine would be an odd performance, but can't really see him in that role yeah and then he also goes and plays antichrist or sorry has a role in the antichrist movie yeah do you know much about that movie I, like i said before for those who don't know i see i don't remember why i was at my grandparents house in Kamloops, and they i just saw this preview of it and again my grandparents are very catholic <laughs> they're also highly catholic and but that wasn't there the door was closed so it's fine it's fine air quotes but it was just a trailer or whatnot I don't remember what uh, channel it was on but I remember Lars von Trier that's the director's name correct yep I remember him and Defoe and I think whoever the other actor the female actor yeah Charlotte Gainsbourg her 
I think they were all doing an interview, which makes sense. They were doing interviews for the movie, which... And this was back in, I think, 2009. And they were just talking about, you know, the the taboo of being in a movie called Antichrist. Mm-hmm. And how Defoe said to give it a chance. And I'm like, okay, it makes sense. It's just a movie, so it has nothing to do with anything. It's just It's just a story, so that might make sense. I don't even really think it has anything to do with Antichrist. Well, it's just called Antichrist, So, but immediately it would be a put-off for a lot of people of Western culture because it's titled Antichrist. Yeah, as it should be. It should put them off. <laughs> it's a film that tackles taboo at every corner. I mean, <laughs> it's not one that I like, but it's a fascinating one, so I'm excited yeah. to, uh, to re-watch it. It's funny, I feel like that I feel that way with almost every Lars von Trier movie. I don't think I've ever seen a single one that I liked of his movies. Jeez. But everyone, I'm like, that's super interesting, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> my, oh my. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'll have to break that one out at some point soon. Um, I've been really enjoying reading uh, DC, The New Frontier. Love the art in that. Oh yeah, I gotta look up chapters, that's right, thank you. And I'm especially enjoying the John Jones stuff in that book. Isn't he great? Yeah, he is. Remember, I, I have read it. I've read like the first fourth of it. Where they go to Monster Island, or Dinosaur, yeah, not Monster Island, um, where Task Force X goes to do one of their ta- jobs, they, they make the dinosaurs. I, lo- I love the art. The art is certainly one thing to write home about. I guess there's a topic, I just bought the uh, Dune graphic novel that they've just put out. Nice. Yeah, I've been enjoying that. It's funny because uh, I just started rereading it, because I read it every year at this around this time, so... I guess with, you know what, with, with DC, yeah, with DC New Frontier, the more I think about it, if I was a writer for, you know, the major comic book companies, I'd really want to do period pieces back in the 60s and 70s. It's great. It's one of the things I really liked about The Queen's Gambit. Different kind of look at the 50s and 60s. Yep. And it was really cool seeing some Soviet Russia stuff. I love all that kind of stuff. Oh, but um, Dune was illustrated by Rual Allen and patricia martin okay so i mean i don't i don't know <laughs> i don't know either, either of those folks but yeah. that doesn't ring a bell either but so far i like the art but because i'm like uh you know i started reading it but i was like this is so abridged i might as well just go back and listen to the novel and right before the movie comes out is when i'll read the graphic novel proper hmm. did, they didn't cut anything out did they or have they um no it just feels like like you're only catching bits of the scene rather than the full scene. Yeah, I wonder if it is a, if it's just a cash. I won't say cash grab. There's no way. This has probably just been. This has been in development for years, I assume. Yeah, no. It's Dune is such a complex book, and there's so much going on. You jump into characters' heads all the time. There's just not enough, unless you're <laughs> Walt Simonson, which they don't really make comics like that anymore. There's not enough space on the page to uh, jam pack all the words in there. And Remy, did he also? Uh, draw as well. No, I draw yep. Forward, but... Yep, he sure did. Nice. I can't imagine the work. I know that he did some of it with his wife, but his Thor comic, it the, it's covered in covered in words and the art's great and intricate. I mean, some really stellar stuff. Do you think it's his magnum opus? It's the only thing I've read of him, really. It's... <laughs> yeah, fair so enough. I can't really judge, <laughs> but it's great work. Yeah, but what... You've got to have some, like, ideas for comics you've wanted to write for, or at least DC and Marvel. I know Image, you probably have hundreds of ideas, but... Hellblazer. Yeah. 
I mean, Hellblazer doesn't really exist anymore. No, so. it can't. But that's, I mean, that's the, one of the comics that I've read the most of, I think. Yeah, religiously, I guess. Except maybe Deadpool. Deadpool. And I wouldn't want to write for Deadpool as much as I love it. <laughs> I guess everything that's been done has been done. I just don't write comedy. <laughs> that's, yeah, neither do I. I mean, maybe if I wrote it with someone, but I don't, I don't. I just don't think I'd be the right fit for that book as much as I love it. I can't do comedy, but I can do visual comedy. That's fair. I think visual comedy is something a little more easy to do, especially just because, especially if you do it correctly, it can translate to other cultures if you do it properly. So it's universal, excuse me. Yeah, that's fair. Three Stooges. That's, yeah, no, <laughs> you you kind of get it and it, it works. Yeah, you know, maybe I could write one-offs for Deadpool, not a run. Because like Colin Bunn, writes for Deadpool every now and again, and I never really feel like he understands the comedy of Deadpool, but he writes a much kind of darker, he really taps into that dark side of the character, which is nice, and he almost has like kind of a sick sense of humor with him, which can be fun, but. And yeah, I, it's almost like, you know the mad comic strip, Spy vs. Spy? Yeah, you can almost do something like that. It's basically these two spies going against each other and they both lose. So, Red Spy sets up a trap for Blue Spy. Blue Spy gets trapped by it, but then counters and gets Red Spy, but then Red Spy counters him and gets him, so both lose, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it makes sense, yeah. I guess you don't read much Mad, do you? Never. Never, never, never. Yeah, that's one of the <laughs> other things I used to look at at libraries. Yeah, no, never had any 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 interest at all. <laughs> should should have seen the one for for CGI wars. It was funny. They made like a joke about Bush and whatever was happening in two thousand eight with him. I guess the re-election. He's great in well, great air quotes in Ultimates. Oh, was he in that? Huh. Yeah, he's in both. Yeah, it's been so long. I, I've only read the first three issues, but I don't remember a minute. It's been forever though. They they certainly make me sort of sympathize with him when uh, his wife dies. Oh. Spoilers. Like in Ultimates 2, when stuff was happening, air quotes, I know I'm spoiling it, but uh, <laughs> he's on Air Force One and it gets hijacked by bad dudes. And he's falling out of the sky, and I guess Laura Bush is her name? Yep. Yeah, she like falls out and dies, and it's like, ooh, I feel, I feel awful. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, that's fair. Poor comic book Bush. Yeah, co- poor comic book Bush. It's like, I think the most sympathetic portrayal of that person ever, and it's by Mark Millar. <laughs> that is funny. Yeah, do you remember when he used to pop up in movies all the time? Do you remember that? Transformers uh, 1. Um, was he in that? I don't know if he was in it, but he was, but it was supposed to be him, air quotes. Oh, I don't remember that at all. It's in the, they're in Air Force 1, and... He's on a bed, and we just see his feet. Ugh. I don't think it's actually him. <laughs> no, probably not. I remember he was in that stupid um, Harold and Kumar sequel. Harold and Kumar go to Guantanamo Bay. They, like, smoke pot with him and hang out with him. It's so stupid. F- and he's in the Yui Bowl film Postal, which we'll be watching at some point, because it's a video game movie. <laughs> oh. The first of many. Of Yule Bowl stuff, I mean. Yeah, yeah, first. Well, maybe. I feel like we should do Alone in the Dark first. Maybe House of the Dead. I don't know. Wasn't there a Blood Rain movie? Yep. Yeah, he did those two. He did Far Cry. Far Cry. <laughs> he did. 
uh, Dungeon Siege. He did. Um, Who did Max Payne? I'm not sure. I saw that in the theater. That's another one. Because I was, I, like I said, I've collected. Uh, I used to collect Rockstar games. Yep. Even though that was only released through through Rockstar, at least the first two. Uh, and so I was so pumped for that movie because I'd played those games so many times and then just couldn't believe how terrible it turned out. I left the theater feeling I got punched <laughs> in the gut. <laughs> Certainly. You know, I guess I'm never going to have a chance to do this now. I mean, I could, but I'm going to do a... It's not even a... Let's do it again. It's just a... This is my pitch. So I think I know how to make a video game movie. Not even a video game movie, but like a, an actual, like, legit movie based off a video game. Sure. So I don't know if you ever heard the Sony exclusive game Infamous. Yep. Basic premise, guy wakes up in a crater and has electric superpowers. And then his city gets quarantined because a plague hits. Sounds familiar. <laughs> um, but in that game, there's a the karma system, so it's like good and bad. You can have two playthroughs where you play as the Paragon or the Renegade. The good and the evil. Oh, okay. Huh. That's cool. I like when they do that. And I was like, alright, how do I do this? And I thought, you know what? Instead of like, oh, we're gonna do... Oh, and there, like any Sony movie at the time, in like 09, there was, of course, talks of like, oh, we should, we'll make a movie. And of course, who's gonna... Pardon me. Who's gonna be the person to write it or produce it? Of course, it's our, our friendly pal, the other Kiva Goldsmith himself... Avi Arid. Or Rod, excuse me. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess it makes sense. Oh, who, yeah, of course. Is he still working for those guys? No, I I think he split off when they did, like, that um, Inhumans thing. I think there was some sort of flame out with that. <laughs> he, he him, and, him and Ike Perlmutter should totally just, like, start their own company. Yeah, maybe it's Ike. I know Ike did that, but I, I think he went with them. Maybe, maybe he went earlier. Okay. I'll take a look. Because I feel like I haven't seen his name in quite a while. Yeah. But anyway, let yeah, no him, Ike Perlmutter, Kiva Goldsmith, and Avi Arid all join forces. Maybe we'll make something good. I mean, Goldsmith, he was on uh, Legend of the Sword, but he was it meant nothing because I'm pretty sure it had nothing <laughs> to do with that. Well, you know, he's a producer. You know, I mean, I'm sure he just name recognition. I'm sure he said a couple things in a meeting once. <laughs> yeah, like the Avatar guys, like Bright does it <laughs> for Shyamalan's movie. Did you hear about them leaving the new project for the same thing? <sighs> oh, you didn't hear about that? Make another make another Avatar series, please. Yeah, it's so upsetting. What happened? It's too soon for them to really say much. Of course. They just were saying that they felt like the show was going in a direction that they didn't want it to go in, and they were trying to trying to find a balance and there was no balance to be found and so they just they're gone problem number one making a live action adaptation of the original series again yes yes in a tv series format why bother what's the point no reason <laughs> unless unless i already you know we already said it could be a previous avatar if you wanted to again you're right the creature effects would be you know questionable but you couldn't do better than animation. Unless, side story. Literally, like, during the during the same era, a side story. Yeah, uh, I just don't see the point in doing it in live action. No, you're absolutely right. Like, you're absolutely right, but... But I'm more CGI-phobic than most people, and so I'm just kind of like... I just don't like seeing it a lot of the time. I mean, it probably would just look like Mulan, maybe. Like the... the... Recent one. 
The newest film, excuse me, yeah. It's coming out on Disney Plus in three days for free. Oh, yeah, right. Instead of being, uh, yeah, instead of being for pay- paid for, that's right. Yeah, so I might watch it. They, they took out all the musical elements, which is one of the things I loved about that movie as a kid. I always thought that some had some of the best music. And so I don't really care, but I, I might see it. I've said my piece on that, but yeah, you know, I'm I'm with with the Avatar live action TV show. Like I'm not obviously I maybe I'll watch it, I don't know, but it's like I don't have high hopes for Cowboy Bebop because they're doing that. They're doing that too. Wow. I already said that, you know, I'll watch it because may, I hope they have a different idea. I hope they do something different than what the TV series did. As long as they keep the characters true and it's a different scenario, it's like, you know what? I I'm happy. I'm already... It's already got a minus one for me because the main character is Asian. Like, it's... It's it's weird because I think it's John Chu who's playing him, I believe, the uh, the main character. But it's heavily implied in the series that he's J- Jewish. Huh. Because his last name is Spiegel. And that's a Jewish name, so... But it's, it's like the ghost in the shell thing. They're worried that people will be offended. Even if they're like... You know, in, in the anime, like, technically, you could argue, people would still be like, no, 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 no. <laughs> it has to be Asian. Uh, well, the here's the thing. The female lead is Singapore, and the other guy, we don't know who, I actually don't know what Jet Black's ethnicity is, but you can make him Asian. But still, it's, I would, <laughs> again, yeah, I'm only one man, but if Spike was played by a Jewish person, that'd be awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's always nice for them to be actually accurate in the casting. Yeah. But I, I try not to let that detract from a, a project. Of course. Yeah, like, they... I think they're doing two gender swaps in the new Dune movie. And I, I just don't really... I would prefer if they just stuck as close as they could. But I'm like, uh, I won't let that bother me. Of course. You know? It doesn't really matter that much. It's their interpretation if they want to change a couple things. I'll give them that kind of break. But it is annoying when they do that sometimes. Anyway, so back to back to what I was saying with Infamous, where I was going to do like my my pitch. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I'm sorry. I think I'm pretty much done with like Avatar and Cowboy Bebop talk. That's it's further down the road. I'll just say for Avatar. Yeah, go ahead. The only thing I could see working with live action is if they completely change the tone. And I don't know if I'm in favor of that. But if they're like, we want to tell an actually serious take on this plot in this world, I mean, maybe they could do it better in live action. Interesting. But, or at least make it fit more, like, tonally. But they could even make it more of, like, a have, like, some scary elements to it. Yeah, that honestly would be interesting if they kind of made it grounded more. I mean, no, it's, it's already a grounded series, I get that. But if they went into the spirits being a little more crazy and or not I want to say Lovecraftian but there's that hint of what would you put well, it there's that it, if you could just change a couple design choices and turn certain ideas scary rather than like whimsical or, or oh, of course yeah in that way so I feel like if they wanted to like completely change the tone and maybe that would piss off Brike or however you say yeah, that <laughs> I could see that pissing them off and it could still be promising but otherwise, I'm, I'm feel, I feel very wary. That's fair. Now, <clears throat> excuse me. I'll probably watch it because I just feel like I have to watch everything. But 
Or at least watch the first couple episodes, you know, at least give it a, a little bit of a shot. Yeah. But either way, I'm just pumped to get back to uh, covering that stuff. That's going to be so fun. Of course. I'm going to restart that. I can't wait to revisit that. Coming soon in 2021. <laughs> and hopefully that'll be a one that we're in person with. Hopefully. We'll see. Who knows? So I, was, I recently finished another powerhouse animation uh, show. It's called... Mm -hmm. I think I may have mentioned it to you. It was called Blood of Zeus. Oh, you watched that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I did. Huh. And I went to Walmart the other day, and I found this one other show that I don't think anybody's heard of. It's called C.S. Manos. Uh, nope. I guess their 2019 um, show that they put out. And so I know I'm jumping around here, but C.S. Manos is basically... Martial arts, the seventies, plus, uh, all, all based in Mexico. Oh, okay. Huh. With some black exploitation in there. Oh, there we go. Um, I guess it has an all-star cast, but immediately as soon as I saw it was, you know, based in Mexico, I was like, "This, I'm putting on the Spanish uh, dub." There you go. And I have some gripes with it, and I, I mean like dub and also the show, but. The Spanish dub or the English one? I have grips with the Spanish dub. Oh, okay. Hmm. So in the English version, I assume that whenever a person starts speaking Spanish, the subtitles will just go speak Spanish. Or they will like say the Spanish line. When I'm mm -hmm. watching the Spanish version, at least this is the English subtitles. I shouldn't even say the Spanish version. Just the, the, the English subtitles. They should have what's being said in Spanish in the English dub, if this makes any sense, be translated. Yeah. Because it's, again, it's odd, because they're all speaking Spanish, like, it's intentionally, they're all speaking English, and then they switch to Spanish. Yeah, they just don't tell you what they're saying. But if I'm watching the Spanish dub, there shouldn't be any, obviously there shouldn't be any confusion, but I guess there is. Yeah, that is weird. Huh. And there was a song in there as well, and they didn't, put the title in there or the title they didn't put the um, the lyrics in there so I had no idea oh, like it was. a song in Spanish yeah and it was yeah. apparently a it was apparently a I don't know a famous song but it's a well known song from there so like it's a it's a guitar based song excuse me so I, I again I don't know it's fair but how was uh, Blood and Zeus uh, awful oh really oh at least not awful but it's a season it's like a 20 minute not 20 minute it felt like it need, It could only be... It, had, it was only like four episodes. Yeah, it could have been four episodes, and then maybe season two could have been another four episodes, and it didn't need to be eight. Mm. Just felt stretched out. Indeed it did. Um, and it went... It did things that I was not surprised by, and the ending is... Let's just say this. It's very similar to Hercules. Oh, interesting. Huh. It's been so long since I've seen that. Yeah, no, it's... Very similar to Disney's Hercules. It's funny that that's the, immediately the one I assumed to. <laughs> Assume that that's what he meant. I just had to I had to reiterate. Yeah, it wasn't Hercules in New York. No, it was not. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. I wanted to see that. Nor the uh, well, you still could. It might be good for you. I have no idea. Yeah, but I've got so much else to watch. You know, usually I read a couple of reviews before I watch things because I'm like, because uh, I just don't watch TV very much. That's true. Um, and the animation style was very weird as well. Like, 
And that's one of the things that attracted me to the show. I was like, this looks kind of different and interesting. Yeah, but when I watched it, I was kind of annoyed. I was like, oh, I'm now seeing like the problems with some American... I don't know what it is. I'm spoiled by Avatar because everybody was moving in that show. There was never points where I'm just seeing the head... I get why Japanese animation... Ooh, I don't know about that. <laughs> okay, minus a few parts, but... <laughs> yeah, there was definitely some parts where it was... The animation had, like, completely deteriorated into nothing. More in Korra, I should say. Where there was a couple moments in Avatar, a couple episodes where it was real shoddy. Well, that was only with season two, or book two, excuse mm-hmm. me. And that was yep. pretty much it. The rest with, like, book one, three, and four, all perfect, I'd say, with animation. Are you talking Korra now? Yeah. Yeah, book yeah, book two and Korra was who boy. There's a couple moments in there where I literally had to rewatch whole episodes because I was like, oh no, I missed most of this plot because I was so distracted by the animation. Because <laughs> it was like some scenes would be fine, and then the next scene would just be like dog shit. They'd be like, holy crap, how did this happen? And I'd completely missed the scene. <laughs> oh yeah, so I disagree with everybody. I disagree with everybody who say that the CGI is terribly integrated in Korra. I don't yeah. think it is. Especially in season one, book one. I don't think it is. I I highly disagree. I think it's there, but I've seen worse. Uh, integration, I mean. CS yeah, I wouldn't even say worse. I mean, I think most of it's quite good. C.S. Manos has some pretty bad integration with CGI. Oh, like I mean, it, um, but it's but that shows. I, I'm only like six episodes. I mean, it's only eight episodes, but I'm only six episodes in so far. And it's, it's okay. Like it's it's middle of the road for me. Well, that's fair. But what I mean is, by animation, is you you can see somebody's head moving, not even moving, but you can see like the part that's animated, and the rest of their body is just stiff, and everybody else's bodies are stiff. Yeah, that's that's annoying. I thought there was some of that in Ghost, or not Ghost in the Shell, <laughs> Jesus, some of that in Vampire Hunter D. Oh yeah. Yeah, Ghost in the Shell, fluid, beautiful movement. Well, because it's the movie. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, Vampire Hunter D, I, I guess it was an OVA. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah, certainly. Um, yeah, I don't... It's so funny that I bought CS Manos. The only thing so far I like from Powerhouse is basically Castlevania Season 1. Well, that, it is. it was great work. I mean, I get why you want to check out some other, other stuff after that. Oh, yeah, I obviously want to support you know animation houses but yeah i mean the only reason that one kind of worked was that because it was based it was originally going to be an 80 minute ova basically and there's only four episodes in that series in that first season so and they're all like 24 minutes so you do the math yeah but you said they'd done pretty good on the the following two seasons right uh yes not so much well personally i didn't like season two well not fully but i i thought it went in a different direction than i thought it was going i was a little annoyed by that but everybody else was very impressed by it so one last thing i guess to ask you've been you've been reading dc recently correct like some dc comics recently for our shows a couple not a ton, but some smatterings here or there. Yeah, what is your what is your general not premise not premise? What is your idea of DC versus Marvel right now? What is what are the differences? 
I can't judge modern comics because I'm not reading them. Of course. <laughs> uh, but perhaps the the errors that you were reading in, excuse me. It, it it just depends on the book. I mean, some DCs light and fluffy and stupid and packed with exposition. Some Marvels the same way. Some Marvels fun and smarmy. <laughs> I haven't really read too much DC that's that way, but okay. It's, it's hard to judge. Right now I'm actually reading, or at least I was reading, Scott Snyder's uh, Swamp Thing. Oh, how's that? Is that modern? It was a New 52 book. Oh, so he did that alongside Batman. Yeah, and I, it was one of the few New 52 books that when it came out, I heard a ton of praise for. It's like one of the only ones. And so I always kind of had my, my eye on it, like one day I'll pick that up and read it. And I saw it on sale on my uh, Comixology account, so I bought it. It had a really funny little reference to the uh, Swamp Thing movies. Yes, yeah, so it had this kid in like a little like insane asylum type hospital, and his doctor was Doctor Dick Durock. So I was like, "Hey, buddy!" Beautiful. <laughs> and it's got a like it's got a really unique um, style with the panels, which is cool. Mm, okay. You don't see a lot of books that really play with the placement of the panels like that. And some stunning artwork, really, really stunning stuff. And it's a uh, just straight horror book which is also really cool i wonder if that's what was inspiring the swamp thing recent swamp thing tv series oh yeah i've got no clue i don't know anything about that yeah Yeah, and i think um his run was like pretty self-contained like i think it just when it ends it ends and nobody continued it which is also nice i wish there was more (laughs) more comics like that yeah so you read a run and then you get to the end of it, it's like, oh, that was such a great end, and then it just continues and everything's different. <laughs> this is not the end-all be-all argument for this, but do you believe in the statement that Marvel heroes are more grounded and real not realistic, but people can understand them more, and then DC heroes are just gods that are trying to be mortals, and they're just iconic and can't be looked upon as role models except for batman yeah i think that's where my dc viewpoint is very guided by what i've read okay so i used to read manhunter which is a grounded superhero i used to read batman again grounded and hellblazer even though it's not you know vertigo it's his own thing but i always thought it was as as a dc product fuck not product um (laughs) property dc property thank you and again, very grounded, and so I, I, I don't know. I guess in terms of like their Justice League type characters, the ones I haven't really read solo stuff, except for a couple Superman comics here or there. They're definitely the more godlike, but I guess Green Arrow is also kind of ground level, especially in Mike Rell's run. Yeah, so I, I don't know. It, it just depends on the character, really. Yeah, I find the same. I've always found. At the opposite. I've always... I don't know why. But I've always found that... I can't say mature, but I always saw DC as more sophisticated than Marvel. I don't know why. Yeah, it depends what you're reading. It, do, it honestly <laughs> does depend on what you're reading. And what and what era it's from. Yeah, but I mean... I think it just depends on the book. That's And who's writing it. That's one of the things I never got about the whole DC versus Marvel thing. Yeah. It's like, isn't it much more about the individual writers than the companies necessarily? But let's be real here. In a Marvel vs. DC fight, Superman wins. <laughs> Superman, in my view, beats everybody. 
I mean, I guess you could argue John Jones. Oh, second uh, second place, especially if especially if like there's magic involved. I think John would be able to last a little more longer. I don't know how, but he'd get the upper hand somehow. Oh, and John totally probably would squash Super Scroll. <laughs> well, Super Scroll's not that hard to squash. No, but I just feel like John would be able to squash him. That's fair. Yeah, I'm so disappointed. We might finally get Super Scroll on the big screen and the scrolls aren't even really scrolls. I mean, they're just, they're not. Marvel's done a lot of things that I've just kind of turned my head at like, okay, if that's what they want to do. The Skrulls is like the only one where I really hey feel man, like... Hey man, just rip the bandaid off like I did. You did for a while It's early there, days. But... It's very early days. They've only done two movies since they decided to have the Skrulls. So I can't judge, you know. Maybe they're just setting it up poorly. Like I said, I finally <laughs> got my... I finally got what I wanted, which is a break from these things. And I mean, when I say break, I mean they haven't released one in a... Well, that's for different reasons, of course. Yeah, it sure is crazy how long it's been. When's Widow supposed to be released? Um, I think next May, I think. Let's see. There was all that talk that it might go straight to Disney+, Plus, but I think that's all. They weren't having any of it. They were not having any of it. Yeah, I just, I don't buy that at all. Uh, May, yeah. <laughs> May. Wow, they had to push their whole thing back. That's so crazy. <sighs> well... I don't mind. I, I had no enthusiasm for Black Widow. I was going to see it, of course, but there's it just didn't really appeal to me in any way. And it felt like, like oh, I guess I can't say. I mean, you haven't seen Endgame. I just didn't see the point after that film. At this point, I know there's people who've died. Well, it was more like this. the whole point of your movie is we're entering a new era um, we're putting away the past and we're looking toward the future. So let's immediately go back and do a prequel for Black Widow. Yeah, do basically what Eric said to do back in Civil War. It looks totally inconsequential. I feel like they fucked up Wishmaster. Uh, I can't judge, I haven't seen it, but I, I don't really like... We're not Wish... Wishmaster? I'm sorry, I'm looking at my Amazon Prime right now and it says Wishmaster. Yes, the un... <laughs> Taskmaster. <laughs> the... <laughs> the son of Taskmaster enter the brand new not even the brand new but the, the Marvel supervillain that no one's ever heard of Wishmaster <laughs> hey they should put him in there that Wes Craven uh, franchise I mean that, those were that was a good villain <laughs> hey when's when's Candyman supposed to come out oh I don't even know anymore I watched all those movies in prep I hadn't seen any of them since childhood how many movies are there? Just three. And I'd never seen the third one, but I've seen the first two many, many times as a kid. Candyman was another one of those, um, like, just horror movies that I saw that really fucked me up, but that I had a weird fascination with, just like Hellraiser. And Videodrome, especially. Videodrome, I saw it, and it disturbed me so severely that I just had, like, an obsession with it. <laughs> so what, uh, what year was the first one released? Um, it was early. It might have been 90, I think. Candyman, 92 actually so yeah and it was they were on tv all the time just all the time would you highly recommend the first one um i would recommend it not highly it's okay okay it was much better when i was a kid 
because it felt um, very real. It felt like because one of the one of the big victims that you don't actually see in the film, but like you hear a very graphic story about, is like a kid, and so it's like, oh no, I'm a little kid. Maybe I could say Candyman five times in the mirror, and Candyman would show up and kill me. So it's like Oof. a genuine, like super duper scary, disturbing movie for me as however old I was, really young. Yeah, but it it made me kind of like. Every time it came on, I'm like, okay, I gotta watch it again for whatever reason. <laughs> As for the sequel and the third movie, the sequel's okay. They switched to New Orleans, which is a fun location. And I was watching uh, the originals at the time, the first Vampire Diaries spinoff with Brianna, because the only TV I watch is TV with her. <laughs> yep. And that's all set in New Orleans, so it was kind of a fun little, uh, like, hey, here we are. You know, I've been living in New Orleans for like three months now, so. It's fun to see it in a kind of a different setting. The third one is just dog shit, though. No one needs to see that. It's just terrible. I wonder if... I wonder how Peel's going to do it. I wonder if he'll make reference to the old one, or... Because this is the first thing he's going to be adapting. Like, this is the first movie he's adapting from a previous franchise. Yeah, although I think he's just producing it. I don't even think he's writing it. Okay. Oh, what the hey? His name's all over the marketing, but... If you look closer, or closely, he's not actually writing it. Sorry, go ahead. There's one thing that they could absolutely improve, and it's one of the bizarre things that I'd forgotten about the Candyman franchise, is it's all about the black community. Um, most of the characters are black, except the lead is always a blonde white woman. And it's always about how Candyman is in love with... Um, he was in love with a blonde white woman, and that's why he was killed originally. And it just it feels so weird to have a movie that's so about the black community and just your lens is this white woman <laughs> it, it's so bizarre interesting so i've i've seen the cover of like blu-ray the blu-ray mm -hmm. and it's showing this this guy and it's a black guy and i just, just yeah tony todd tony todd thank you i just assume that he's the main character nope he's the the villain and he only shows up Maybe, like, less than 10 minutes of uh, screen time in each movie. What the f***? The scenes that he's in, especially in the first one, are super impactful. Like, he's the only thing you're going to really be talking about after the movie's done. But it's, I think it's because they savor him so, like, they give him, to you, give him to you so sparingly that on those scenes he really just grabs you. Yeah, he's, he's great in that first movie. Really, really great. Dang, what in the hay? Yeah, it was fine in the first one because uh, it just worked better. But then, then to continue with the next two, it just it it started to feel like this. This just feels odd. Just just focus on black folks. You don't need this. this uh, it just felt weird. It felt out of step. I thought. Well, whoever's Peel's probably gonna like have the director play with that uh, point. Yeah, and. It would be a shame to lose the element of how Candyman was killed because, again, he, yeah, he was in love with... It was like um, Jim Crow days. Oh, no. Maybe a little bit earlier Jim Crow. <laughs> yeah, definitely a little bit earlier. Oh, boy. But like post-slavery, and he was like an educated black man who um, was like a famous painter, and he fell in love with a white woman, and so they just lynched him, and he turned into like this haunting creature that lived on people's fears 
And so it makes sense that he'd, you know, maybe want to target another white woman, at least in the first movie. But then, especially because she was kind of, like, related in some way, that is kind of wonky. But... I guess it's that time for us to say goodnight. I'll definitely have to cut a lot of this out. <laughs> Split it into two, maybe, I don't know. And I think you'll have enough for one. Yeah, that's probably fair. Probably a lot of extraneous stuff. But yeah, good chat, I'm with you. Thanks, man. Catch you on the next one. Peace. Peace.